0: I saw so many teenagers fall into depression, start cutting themselves, become obese, become sad. I even saw some people from my school take their own life.
1: Augusto Catain is a Brazilian self-development influencer with over 1 million followers across social media. I got
0: way too complacent, way too comfortable, and that was like the breaking point of my life.
1: From struggling with porn addiction himself, he now helps young men to reject degeneracy.
0: I'm literally addicted. I had to accept I'm incapable of controlling myself. You're looking at the mirror, it's like, how much have I fallen? Started washing my face, started cutting my hair better, started working out more, started dressing up a little bit better. It took a long time, but as I started doing these things, people were like, hey man, how do I work out? So that's why I'm actually so confident in helping people specifically with masturbation, because when I talk to them, I'm like, bro, I was in this for a long time. And then the craziest part of my life.
1: The Extrospective podcast is sponsored by Runner, which is the first of its kind, number one rated, fully automated running coaching service. Whether you're training for your first marathon, a faster 10k time or simply couch to 5k, you'll be guided by an expert team, including Olympic marathon runner, Steph Davis. Download Runner, spelt R-U-N-N-A today from the App Store and take your running to the next level. With code Zach, you'll be able to get your first two weeks free and see what all the hype is about. That's Zach Z-A-K for your first two weeks free.
0: When I'm reading a text of a script and I'm saying things like, Oh, abandon perfection, abandon like perfect ideas, and you just have to start. And once you start things, and, and the video is a video that I'm talking to everyone, but actually I'm talking to myself. It's like a video about how I need to start doing things, you know. So even though it flops hard. It's a video that like, it's very close to my heart. So, yeah.
1: I think a lot of the content is like that though, isn't it? Like a lot of the stuff that you're sharing and a lot of the stuff that I follow and I would share, it, it's not stuff that I've suddenly mastered. And I, you know, I'm, yeah, I'm
0: exactly. you know, you don't I'm, need I'm to. telling to myself
1: every day as well. Myself. Yeah,
0: exactly. Um, should we just, should nice. we just
1: get rolling then? Should we just,
0: yeah, yeah. I think now we on. can just get rolling.
1: Oh, well, welcome to the podcast Augusta. How are you doing?
0: Hey man. Thanks so much, so much Zach. I'm very thankful to be here. It's the first time I'm actually doing an interview like this, talking to another content creator and having this opportunity. It's actually really good for me.
1: I followed your work for probably around six months at the time of recording. We met at the Jordan Peterson uh, kind of European worldwide tour, but you actually flew over from Brazil across to the UK. I traveled up to Manchester for the event, and that's where we came across each other. Uh, and I wanted to just... Oh, straight off the back, like, what do you make of Jordan Peterson and what made you travel that far?
0: Wow, that's a long story, but to make it a bit smaller, like Jordan Peterson has been my hero since the, the start of my self-improvement journey. He was the first one I found out. He was the first one that I saw videos me helping me. So when he announced the tour, I knew I had to see him. You know, he's a bit old. I was scared that he could, like, be, become sick again or, like, start, stop doing the tours and everything. And I had to take my shot. And it was 100% worth it because I didn't see him like only once because of fate and or destiny or something. I was able to see him twice because of a good soul who gave me like he gave me another thing to see him. And I was able to ask him some stuff, talk to him. And it was just like a magical moment. He was always like a very large inspiration to me. And to this day, like he's the one that I look the most up to, like in the content, cr- content creators world and from psychologists and everything.
1: I'd say I'd say the same for me. Have you, have you seen his recent appeal against the College of Psychologists in, America, in, in Canada? I think that's just insane. Yeah. trying to take his license away.
0: Yeah, I've seen that. Actually, is something that touches really close to my heart because I studied psychology for almost a year in Brazil. I went to psychology university, you know, mainly because of him. And what I found there, in one word, would be like disappointment. I found uh, broken people. are sick who are sad who are depressed who are medicating themselves and just want to get to know themselves i found people that believed in lots of magical stuff stones to heal you and stuff like that i found lots of pseudoscience and leftists and communists and people like trying to put their agenda down your throat and it was just so bad that I, I couldn't live there. I couldn't be there. I dropped out. That was, I, I'm a college dropout. I had to drop out. And I'm not someone that hates universities. So for me to drop out, it was undoable. Like I, I'm actually very disappointed with everything that happened there.
1: I probably am going to face that as well as I try and pursue that in the UK. I'm not currently studying it, but I want to do it after I graduate. I want to go and do the further qualifications to train oh, yeah. as, a, as a psychologist. And I think that's definitely one of the, the major things that I'm. I'm worried about is the fact that maybe a lot of the kind of literature and it's a very female-dominated space and, and yeah it's not just one one opinion rules all and I think Jordan Peterson in the stuff that he shares in some ways does oppose some of the consensus in psychology but I, I don't know what's right I mean I, I wouldn't necessarily say yeah. Jordan Peterson is wrong right so
0: yeah 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 I think well if you, in any university in any degree that you want to get what you have to do is you have to focus on the good You have to find a good group of people, find like a colleague you can trust, find a teacher, a professor who you trust and you admire. You just focus a bit more on that subject, focus a bit more on that. And if you can't do that, perhaps you're in the wrong place, which was what happened to me. I was not able to find a single person who I identified with, and I wasn't able to find no professor who I admired and could help me. So if you can't find that, you're going to be really sad. So you have to look and kind of be patient. And if you do find it, Man, it's going to be good, you know, and you're going to learn a lot, even though it's not going to be good the rest of the classes, you can still identify with that professor and talk to him, even about the problems, and he's going to like, talk to you and guide you through it. So yeah. Absolutely. You
1: probably have over a million followers combined on all of your platforms. Yeah, yeah. TikTok, Instagram, YouTube. We, We don't have to run through this all, I'll probably do that in the introduction. But I think it's important before we get into sort of the more recent years and the things that you're doing now with content creation is to wind back the years. You know, let's take it all the way back to sort of your, your childhood. So uh, for people who, who don't know, including myself, where did you grow up and what were you like as a child?
0: So I grew up in the south of Brazil, in the southest state of Brazil, which is Rio Grande do Sul, in the capital, Porto Alegre, which is a city of about a million. It's very close to Uruguay. So even though it's Brazil, it's not very hot. And, you know, it's a big city, kind of dangerous, but I'm like middle, upper class, never had to deal with any type of like dangerous situation in my life, which is something that actually did a very large difference in my life. So I was a- I- always very extroverted. When I was a kid, I was like, oh, hey, my name is Augusto. You want to play with me? So I was always very extroverted, very playful. And I studied in a extremely left-wing school, almost socialist school. I was always like told that I could choose if I wanted to be a boy or a girl and I wasn't born anything. But I I was never really affected by it for some reason. I always just weirdly thought, well, but I am a boy. I I don't know what you guys are talking about. And in my beginning of of my life, I I didn't even care. I didn't even notice. But the school I grew grew up also had a big impact on my life. And I think the first things that got me into self-improvement when I was extremely young were the fact that no one, no one that I knew, ever had any problem like with lack of food, lack of shelter, lack of having parents, lack of money. No, we all had money. We all had food. We all had good clothes. We all had a, a, a good place to sleep. Everything. We had love. We had everything. But even with all of that, I saw so many people when I was like 13, 14, 15, so many teenagers fall into depression, start cutting themselves, become obese, become sad, I even saw some people from my school take their own lives. And that, that for me was, I don't know, I was always so focused on what the police were doing, what the doctors were doing, what engineers were doing for our society. And I just thought, we have everything. We are the middle upper class. We have all of this. Why is this happening? Why these people that could do anything with their life, why are they depressed? And even in my family, my family, we have no cancer, no cardio cardiac problems, nothing but we have a very clear history of depression. And that just, that was a very weird for me. So I decided, okay, lots of people are lawyers, lots of people are doctors, policemen, like firemen. They are like the base of society. It's like uh, in psychology, you learn that. It's a, like a triangle, it's a pyramid, yeah? And in the pyramid, the base of the pyramid, you need shelter, you need food, you know, you need your safety. Uh, and the I Maslow's, decided, the Maslow's yeah, the, Maslow, yeah the Maslow's pyramid. I decided, okay, I'm going to be the one who's going to work at the top. Like for people that they have food, they have shelter, they have security, they already have everything. But even still, they lack meaning. And that's the conclusion I got after reading Man's Search for Meaning from Victor Frankl, that it was a lack of meaning. And since then I started like kind of working towards it.
1: At what age was that?
0: That that was I was very young. I was already working towards, I was like 13, 14, but it was still very shallow, you know. I I, I was I was strong, I worked out, I had a diet. I read books but I wasn't like obsessed. I wasn't a try hard. I was good. And it was very easy. That's the thing for my life too because my life was like this, you know. It was very easy and actually I had one of the best childhoods someone has ever had in the history of humankind. I I actually felt invincible and that's a big part of my personality. Like my ego grew up a lot. I started working out so much earlier than everyone. So if you take if you, if you get pictures of me and I'm young, you you're, you're going to actually see that I didn't change that much. I was jacked, I was a jacked 13-year-old, you know, very very good looking, very jacked, very extroverted. I was like the president of the school thing to organize things, extremely popular, doing lots of parties, having lots of friends. So for me, I was like peak of my life, I was so happy. Every day I actually thought of this, I was like, damn, bro, I, I had lots of gratitude. And one of my biggest things was my girlfriend, which I had since I was 12 years old, she was very pretty, I loved her a lot, but I was, I got too comfortable, you know. I got way too complacent, way too comfortable, and start, I didn't work as hard as I could on things, as hard as I could on our relationship. And that was like the breaking point of my life. That was truly the nexus point of my life. There is a series in Netflix which is Loki. In that series there are lots of Lokis, different types of Lokis, and they talk about their nexus point, which is the point they became that Loki. Oh, I'm the Loki that killed Thor. My nexus point was when I killed Thor. And for me, my nexus point was... A month. It was May 2019. I was with a friend of mine, and he told me, "Oh, the friends of your girl—they like—they're like, they're telling her to break up with you. Take care." He was a good friend of mine, and I said, "No, bro. We're two years together. Look at me. Look at me. She's not gonna break up with me." And my ego—stupid, moron. You know what happened? She broke up with me. I was shocked. I couldn't believe it, no one in my family had ever died. I had never gone for a breakup, I had never been physically hurt, a lot. I had never like repeated it, I had, ne- I had never even failed a test. I was like always, I always got medals in sports. I, I was in an easy place, I wasn't Superman. I was like in an easy place. There was there were, there were not a lot of other competitive men. So for me, it was very easy. And that, that was shocking when it happened. I was, and then when it happened, I was so confused. I was like, why would she do that? I was like, I'm not that bad. I wasn't abusive, I wasn't toxic. What happened? And then I, and then I knew what happened. One week after she appeared wearing the ring of another guy. Why? Because even though it was good, another guy was better. He was taller, he was stronger, he was pretty. And he probably was like more humble than me. Most people were. And he was from another school. And that opened the world for a kid. Wow, there are other schools. Other places, other people invading my kingdom, my school where I'm the best. And then suddenly I'm not the best. And that meant, that led me in a severe depression, taking antidepressants, going to psychiatrists, and then like getting angry at the psychiatrist because he didn't even ask me, my vitamin D levels were good. He didn't even ask me, oh, were you drinking enough water? He didn't ask me anything. It was like, oh, you're depressed. Take this. You know, uh, it was very stupid approach to psychology. I had a very bad experience with psychologists and I wanted to be better than all of them. That's why I pursued a a psychology degree and everything. But that was the nexus point for me. The breakup after that, I just noticed like, damn, bro, I need to truly work hard. And that's that's when I truly became who I believe I am, you know.
1: Where is it that you think that you got that innate belief in yourself and that confidence? Is there anything in particular that you can attribute to maybe your parents that instilled you with really good values?
0: Well, that, that's a good question. I actually t- took a look at some people saying that lots of like important figures in history like Napoleon and Alexander the Great were like mommy's boys or like the firstborn or their mother loved them a lot and they believed they could do a lot. And that That was a thing for me. You know, I was born and then like everyone liked me a lot and I was seen as like my father number two, which for lots of people may sound bad. They may not like that, but I did. I always did. My name is the same name as his. Uh, but with another a, a bit of a different part, you know, he's Renoir. I'm Augusto Renoir. His father, my grandpa, is Lenoir. So it's it's like a sequence of names. And I, I like that. And I felt like and my father was my hero. I did drawings of him, which his the face is the same, but the body is like Broly from Dragon Ball. So I just like took my father's face and drew him as Broly, because Broly from Dragon Ball is like enormously jacked. So I saw him as a superhero. I was his heir, I was like, my father number two, so what did I have to be? I, I had to be the new superhero. So I think I, since, since I was younger, I, I always always like like that a lot. And I think like being very extroverted and having loads and loads of friends and wanting to talk to lots of people led me to this good path. It, obviously, there's also bad sides and very emotionally dependent on attention uh, like having people around me. But you know, things come with good and bad sides. So yeah, I think like being around lots of people and being trusted a lot since I was young, you know. My father always had, It's not like I needed to be the greatest, but he just expected it. He was like, Yeah, how did the gig move? And I was like, Oh, today we lost. Or or even we won. Who made the goals? Oh, another guy. It was like, Well, why? I was like, Well, I don't know. I'm me young. I'm I'm saying like me young. He was like, Well, why didn't you? I was like, Oh, I don't know. I just didn't got it. He was like, Why wouldn't you? Was he better than you? And I was like, I don't know. He was like, Whoa, was he stronger? Was he taller? Did he play professional? I was like, No. It's like, Well, then you should have done it. You should have done it. And that just natural. Expectation was good. When I took a night, yeah, yeah, and that just happened, you know. It started and I started having this natural expectation. And when I lose, that's how what I think. I lose something. Well, what happened? Is he better? Like, no. Then I just think about it. And I think that's that's good for you to put in your children. I think
1: being introspective and kind of understanding the root cause of things early on and and, and being able to not get too emotional or too caught up in things and actually be able to go. <clears throat> this person has been better than me and I recognize that and I want yeah. to work better to do that but it, it, it clearly shows that it's a mindset thing it's it's the perspective it's not necessarily what happens it's then how yeah. you react to what, what happens and, and clearly that also speaks to the importance of having strong morals and a strong father leadership and obviously yeah. you, you're very blessed and you say you are very grateful for that, that upbringing and I think that is what we need to try and Raise up young men to be like that, be exactly. like his fathers, right? And I think that's obviously yeah, that a lot of stuff hero. you
0: do. Yeah, having your father as your hero is great. We do need, and I think the lack of a father figure is just—it's very sad. And it, we know from statistics that it causes a lot of problems. But it's just so sad because I see people get lost. Like I—that's something that touches deep into my heart because Chu. Now, now I'm I'm with two friends here, and I'm not talking about out there. I had other two best friends, and it's actually a very sad story for me. They were my friends for my whole life, but there was a difference between us, and the only difference I genuinely think it was the father, because their father was just more absent, you no know, less masculine, less like leader leading. He didn't lead as much. Their parents both had divorce, and their the father wasn't like uh, that present. And they both they have this view; they lack faith in the world. They just. It's almost as if the loss of their parents relationship broke their view of love and they hate women and they hate men and they're just you know, it just it it made them so bitter because I remember them before that and after and then I just started analyzing how did their father react their fathers after the breakup just went away left them with their mother went away to never come back forgot this forgot that birthday just a call and man that broke them not only do they feel not loved enough from their father? But on top of that, they, they feel some type of hate to their mother, which is like, oh, when she was dating you, you wanted to be here. But now that you don't have sex and you don't have love from a woman, I'm not enough. Now you want to be with the other woman, the new wife. And it's almost as if, as if they have been switched. You switched my mother for this new woman and you also switched me for your new children. So it's it was an amazing blow to them. So yeah.
1: Mm. And I think obviously being sensitive of of people that might be listening to that and being able to relate that to their own lives. And I think, you know, those things, they happen to us sometimes out of our control. And it's important that we are able to be reflective, as we've spoken about, but also then look to further afield for that influence and that that inspiration, which obviously on top of having that fantastic childhood, you were then able to transition to also looking externally, looking at figures such as Jordan Peterson uh, and and others in the space who are in that self-development world. One of the things you mentioned earlier, I actually wanted to pick up on. You spoke about the fact that everyone lives in this comfort and your colleagues, your friends, when they were younger, living in all of that comfort. Yet, even with that, they were suffering with depression and anxiety. And you mentioned your own life. You lived in a lot of comfort. And then that meant that the breakup was very spontaneous and hurtful. And I think that's super interesting because that's almost speaking to that post-materialist sort of the the life where because we no longer have to keep a shelter over our heads, because we no longer have to work to put food on the table, it's then like, well, we're still going to worry about something.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. You've got to worry about something. If your mind is completely empty, you've got to worry about something. And dudes, most of the men that were with me, They just became nihilistic, you know? They just lack, and and you really, you need something to work towards. You need an enemy, you need a purpose, and you need everything. And for me, the enemy I chose was nihilism. I chose to like attack those people that don't have meaning, that don't want to help others, you know? I always talk, uh, I always use this reference. It's like a metaphor. And it's specifically for the people that watch anime, because my following, you know, lots of people that watch anime, watch like read or Netflix and everything, so they like fiction. And when they watch fiction, like Attack on Titan, they, say, they always say the same thing to me. When I talk to them, oh, what do you like about Attack on Titan? They're like, oh, it's so deep. And like, what do you think deep about it? Like, well, there are the walls. The Titans are outside. They wanna kill humanity. And then when you're young, you grow with people, always with the same purpose of killing the Titans and saving humanity. And when you're, about, when you're graduating, you can choose. You can go to the middle, and they always say like a pussy, because you're not gonna save anyone, you're not gonna truly protect the world only to protect yourself, or you can be a little bit more brave and be on the wall, like a guard on the wall. Or you can go to the exploration troop, truly sacrifice yourself, go out of the walls to kill the Titans. And they always say, I would go out of the walls. I would go to save humanity. And I always say, well, you could die. Why would you do that? Why would you do that? And they're like, well, I wanna protect my family. And I say, well, your family could move to the middle. They're like, no, but I want to protect the whole village. And then when I say telling them telling that, I'm like, well, so how's your life like? And then it's always the same thing. They, they don't do martial arts because they're afraid of getting hurt. They, go, they don't go to the war in Ukraine to save people because they're afraid of dying. They, they don't do anything, you know? So people, I, f- I feel I truly have this tendency, this philosophical tendency of thinking that people have this natural tendency to be good, to admire good to look and be like, oh, I admire that guy in the series. I would be that guy. I would sacrifice myself. Or people look at Nazi Germany. Oh, I would be like that guy that hit lots of Jews in a train and risked himself. And then I'm thinking like, well, would you? Like, I don't see, like, say, people want to be that people. So I'll, I, my opinion is they only need a push. They, they need some type of admiration, they need direction. You know, they, they're just, they were like raised so poorly but, but people look for fiction. That's why animes are so popular these days. That's mm-hmm. why people like Naruto, they like Sasuke, like, like they like these characters in One Piece and in Dragon Ball, because they have a dream and they work towards it, but that, that's what's lacking their life, yeah? They look in fiction for what is lacking their life, and I think that's purpose, that's meaning.
1: I would be completely with you, and you're echoing their the own words that I saw. I actually looked at one of your videos earlier as a bit of prep for this. Luckily, the, the YouTube uh, translation from Portuguese to English was, wasn't too bad. And, and I made out that it was like the modern world offers you like fake versions of the real things. So instead yeah. of real love and intimacy, they'll show you porn. And instead of really delicious whole foods prepared correctly, they'll just shove loads of chemicals and give you processed foods. Instead of exactly. actually pursuing your call to adventure and creating, I don't know, in our space, you know, creating content. They just watch a hero's call to adventure. They they watch the anime. They watch the Dragon Ball Z exactly as you're describing there. And I think we're almost just being fed all of these things and then we're just yeah. getting fatter and sicker and being at home. And the, the question I wanted to ask to, to kind of keep this embedded within your own story is in that time, I don't know if there was any point in your life where you found yourself Addicted to porn or eating too much processed food, watching TV. Was that a thing that you went through as well?
0: Yeah, yeah. I think like when I was dating my girlfriend, I was actually watching porn while dating her just because, you know, I didn't, I i was going to lie now. I was going to say I didn't know it was bad. That's not true. I knew it was bad. And I knew she didn't like it. But it's, it's like I didn't care, you know. I didn't think about it. I, I was in denial. I was like, oh, no, not so bad. So, I was doing that, and I started noticing that it was bad for me, and I actually, I don't have it right now, but I put like a red thing around my waist, just for me to remember. But I still did it. Actually, my porn addiction story is very intense, because I was severely porn addicted. So, I believe I was severely porn addicted, because I tried a lot to get rid of porn, and I was not able to. So, I had like this red ribbon on my waist to remember to not masturbate. Still, I did it, with the thing on my wrist. I had a thing on my door to remember. Still did it. Bar blockers still did it. My girlfriend finding out that I did and crying, and we and it like our sex becoming worse. Still did it. That was actually one of the reasons we broke up. But I, I wasn't like accepting that. the moment we broke up, I was like, "What happened? What could have been?" And then a few weeks later, it started falling. I was like, "Damn, bro." And you know, it's such a, imagine for me, feeling like Superman, like the king in his kingdom, for me having to admit. That the truth was that my sex was awful and that I was not fucking her how she wanted it, that I was preferring to watch porn. How much of a strike to my ego it was to accept that. It was, I was demolished. I was wrecked with. And now another guy was fucking her. And I had to see her every day because she was my classmate. For me, that was just horrible. And I I was still porn addicted. So on top of that, I was masturbating to her while she was dating another guy. So my ego, like I'm masturbating to my ex girlfriend She's fucking another guy, I'm masturbating to her. I would like masturbating cry bro. Cause I would just masturbate, look at her picture. Then I'm over with, post nut clarity hits, cry. So, you know, very, it's like a humiliating sight. You know, you, you look at yourself and you, you know cleaning your hands and you're looking at the mirror. It's like, how much have I fallen? It's like such a humiliation. Everything was perfect in my life. Everything was good. I don't know. It was very bad. My mother was crying because she was worried about my depression. The psychiatrist told her I was depressed. She was just in shock, you know. She was like, how, are, how come you are depressed? She was crying and everything. So, yeah. I was severely porn addicted. And then I, I started eating a bit badly. Didn't take care of myself. Got a bit of acne, you know. My grades were like going down because she was in the class. You know? I was looking at her all the time. I was actually so addicted that I would, in class, Look at her, then go to the bathroom, to masturbate. So my, I was like, extremely that. So that's why I'm actually so confident in helping people specifically with masturbation. Because when I talk to them, I'm like, bro, your ex broke up with you. You're like porn addicted. I can help you because, bro, I was in this for a long time. It took me like lots of years to get to two weeks without masturbating. It took me like I don't know three years. Mm. So, but when I started getting to it, I started. So yeah,
1: I think I think it's. Really important to understand how that story played out in your own life because that's fueled so much of then what you go and share. I think that's a yeah. that's a quite a common story for a lot of people. Is exactly the reason the reason why they go into something job wise or the w- reason why they want to share something in particular is because they've been through it themselves and then they want to st- stop people, help people from doing that. And especially, I think it's very rare that people would be as vulnerable and as honest as you've just been there. And I think that's probably. Aided in, in your growth of your platform because you've been so honest, and I think people connect with people, and I think that's one of the things that we lack as well. People kind of don't really want to talk about this thing, particularly yeah. with porn, right? Particularly with porn. I think, I think, porn. Yeah. I think we, we, we talk about drug use, everyone generally knows that drug use is bad. We talk yeah. about processed food again, it, it's not something that's like taboo or shun, but porn, like. Most guys struggle with this, most guys, and they're picking most it up times. from super early ages. I, I think for myself, I look yeah. back now, I think I was like 10 years old when I came
0: around. Yeah, before. 10, 11. And it, if you don't start watching by yourself and you're 12, other guys are going to show you. So yeah, it's inevitable. It, yeah, for me, presi- it was like that. Other and, guys just started showing me, and it happens.
1: Yeah, and it's I bizarre. think, uh, you know, I, I don't want to like dwell on this point too much, but I think it is particularly of all the vices that we mentioned here. It is one of the most damaging in terms of relationships and mentally as well. And it's taken me a long time to sort of get past that. Um, luckily now I am, uh, I'm clear of that and I'm very, very blessed and, and grateful to, to God for delivering me through to where I am now. But I think it's something which, again, I really appreciate you kind of opening and sharing about. How, how did the process come about of sort of, not just with porn, but with the other things, your life kind of going going yeah. that downturn? How did you begin to turn that around?
0: Day 25 of May, 2019, she breaks up with me. Take, so I'm sad, I'm sad, I'm depressed, I'm thinking depressants and everything. And then my friends tell me, you have to fuck lots of girls, you have to fuck lots of girls, and I, I'm not trusting them. I'm like, no. And then for four months, I'm just depressed, in bed, doing fucking nothing, sad. And then after some time, I give up. I tell them, okay, you're my friends, help. I don't know what to do. I, I, I did therapy, I read some books, nothing's working. And they're like, have to get some bitches. I'm like, okay. And then I did it. I don't know, man, I got with like a lot of girls. I was like every single party, every single weekend, every single week, so many girls. And every single time I kissed a girl, my ex popped in my head, my ex popped in my head. And it was like every time, man, and it was extremely uncomfortable. I didn't fuck any of them because every single time like we were getting closer, I was feeling like I was cheating. My dick ain't working. It was just even more humiliating. So it it actually wasn't helping. But I pretended it was. And I liked it because it was extremely evil for my part. But I felt like I was attacking her in some sense. I felt like, well, she's with another guy. She's wearing a ring. I'm with this hot girl. She's there. This girl is hot. I'm going to like swallow this girl in front of her. So that was my thought at the time. I was like, I'm going to get this girl back. And it wasn't like to be evil towards her. It was like, I wanted her to see that I can get other girls because I was hoping inside that she breaks up and comes back to me. She did not break up. <laughs> I got with a lot of girls. And one day I just got with a girl. And that's something that's a big lesson for lots of guys. I got with a girl and I didn't feel good. I did not feel good, but I did not feel bad. And for a depressed guy missing his ex, when you're with a girl and every single girl you felt bad and then you suddenly don't feel bad, you're already like, wow, that was good. And then we just got along, started kissing again, and then, whoa, going out, we started dating. But that was a massive mistake, you know, because I actually didn't love her. I was just, you know, oh, I don't feel bad, and shit did. So, you know, just used her to feel better. Very and for bad. the attention as
1: well, I guess. Yeah, uh, for so the attention. All of that, yeah. yeah,
0: my girlfriend was like, oh, he's dating again. And, you know, through all this time, all I wanted was to get my girl back. And my therapist... I had multiple therapists, psychiatrists, psychologists. My therapist, at one point, he almost like gave up. He was like, okay, I'm, I'm trying to get you to forget this girl. It's been a year. This was like a year after. Like, it's been a year. It's a long time for someone as young as you. It, it, it ain't working. So you know, I know I just thought that, that this psychiatrist was just too bad. And I just thought to myself, I started watching even more John Peterson. And I was like, well, I don't want to take into the presence anymore. He was a psychiatrist. We got into an argument. And I decided to try myself with a psych- psychoanalyst. Like a guy that likes Freud and everything, like psychologist. So I switched to psychologists, started doing therapy, and again tries to get me to get off of her and everything, forget her, and I don't want to. And then after some time, he's like, "Okay, you want to get her back?" And I was like, "Yeah." He's like, "Well, why don't you just try it?" And I just started like I decided to myself. I decided, okay, it's been a year, haven't got her back. I'm gonna try and get her back. And then I had a plan, a large plan. It was like a ten years plan. Uh, it was. Very crazy plan, you know. But I like I started with the basics, and the first self-improvement video I watched was from Alpha Male Tips, something like that. It was a black man, bald, very rude, and it was like, How to get your ex back? And it was straight to the fucking point. So the video was actually very good. So I I I I, I, I watched the video, the video stops, and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna get her back. I'm gonna get her back, even if it takes some time. And I started doing stuff, started whitening my teeth, started washing my face, started cutting my hair better, started working out more, You know, started dressing up a little bit better. And you know, it took a long time, but as I started doing these things, people started noticing, not only her, people were like, hey man, how do I work out? Hey man, how do I cut my hair like that? Hey, how do I whiten my teeth? So I started developing this personality. My whole life and my whole personality was like, how do I become more attractive? How do I increase my sexual market value? And for me, you know, it started increasing my, my my value as a person, you know. So I started becoming naturally more happy. I was happy that I was working out. I was happy that I was running. I was happy that I was doing these things. So I just became completely obsessed with getting her back. I read like nonviolent communication, how to influence and influence people, the 48 laws of power, all types of like communication books to try to get her back and, and everything. And I just kept like reading every single book and working out as much as I could. And suddenly I was feeling better naturally, No, you know, I was a bit of a better person. And I'll, and NoFap also came along. Uh, I, have, I now I have a server in Discord for NoFap. It's a very beautiful story because I was so addicted. I even, oh my God, I even bought a virtual headset, like those VR things to watch porn. So, you know, I was like, and then I like a VR headset, man, like expensive shit. So after I bought it, jerked off a bit to her, I dropped it, and, and I watched some Jordan Peterson videos, some other guys' videos. I remember to this day, it was literally like that. I was like, okay, I watched myself. My leg is like dirty, and I'm there, and I'm like, damn, this is the most humiliating shit ever. I'm done. I'm done with this. There must be a way. I was like, I'm never going to do this again. And then I did it in the same day. And then after I did it in the same day, I was like, okay, I just noticed I'm literally addicted. I had to accept. I'm incapable I'm of controlling myself. I need help. And then I typed in, group for teenager addicted in porn. And a Discord server appeared in Google. So I was like, okay. And I joined, there were lots of people with days close to their name. Some guys had two days, some guys had 300 days. And I started calling every single day there. And every single time I, and then when I called, wow. Then I noticed there were some real porn addicts there. There was like, I called in, a guy, oh, yeah, I tell my story, and he's like, yeah, man, I feel you. I have a daughter, you know, and I feel bad. I was like, you have a daughter? He was like, yeah, I'm married. Like, I don't have sex with my wife for two years, and I'm watching that. And he's like, man, you're young. I don't want you to go through that. You have to stop. And lots of guys, man, I don't want you to go through that. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm divorced. My wife got separated with me. He was like, I'm por- I was porn addicted. I wanted to do like a threesome. I forced her into it. And I was like, man, that's awful. I was like, that's horrible. Like horror stories, horror stories. And when I watched that, that that community was what truly got me to do it. And then, you know, I just started going, hit two weeks. And once I hit 90 days, there were lots of, that was like a timetable there, which like the benefits. And in 90, and the benefits ended at 90 days. So when I finally hit 90 days and it looked like, oh, 90 days, there are, there, there are no benefits listed over 90 days. For me, it was like, well, I think I'm cured, and that was it. I was like, I assume this identity yeah. of like, I'm not a guy who masturbates anymore. I was like, ah, I, I did it, and then after I did it, I never masturbate. I never masturbated again. It was literally that. Is that identity never,
1: shift is so yeah. important? I think it. Yeah, it, it, it can't just be a part of something that you're, you're just trying. It's, it's like if you're going to go on a diet and try and be healthy. It's like, yeah. you're not trying to work out, you are an athlete. If you see exactly. yourself as an athlete, then it will just come through what you do naturally. If you see yourself as, as someone who just doesn't watch porn, then you just won't. Like, And I know it's not that simple because it is quite difficult to have that yeah. whole shift. But exactly as you discovered, there is that level of accountability, which I think people can apply not only to porn, but any kind of vice, any kind of struggle that they're having, is having that accountability, seeing what it will be like in ten years if you don't change, is a clear yeah. example as well. I think you know a, a lot of people talk about that. Particularly Jordan Peterson, you know, he says people don't consider the cost of staying where you are in five years' time, and that that cost is is quite large. And and it's funny to me. We, we talk about compound interest quite a lot in terms of if you put money in the bank and then the percentage will goes up and whatever. Yeah, yeah. But in in this exact same way. If you don't increase the value, we've got a, we've got an inflation crisis globally right now. The inflation yeah. will erode away your value, and exactly, therefore you'll man. get worse if you are improving. So I think that's a really interesting point to note that 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 you are you need to be aware that if you don't make a change, it won't stay the same. It will get worse. Yeah,
0: and I think the best thing actually in that Discord server that was really great. That was magical. Not only I was talking to an older guy, and he was giving me this perspective but I was hitting like two, three days, five days. For me, it was nothing. But I put in my username, five days. And I was advised by people who hit 14, 30 days, those older men. And then once I was in a call and a guy joins, like, oh, you're in a week. I was like, yeah, I hit a week. And I was like, man, I'm so porn addicted. I never hit a week. Can you help me? And then I'm shocked. Suddenly I helped. So now I, ha- I have to get in this identity. I think to myself, damn all those older guys saying about these bad things, this kid is 14, this is my time, and now I help him, so I start helping, I start saying, oh, Jordan Peterson said that, that older guy said that, you should do this, cold shower, pushups, this, you shouldn't fap, I start listing all the bad things, and he's like, oh, thank you, man. And then you are in this place where someone trusted you, someone thanked you, you helped him, you just told him about all those things, and you're hoping he does not how could you then just go and fucking fap, you know? So putting yourself in this position as a mentor, as someone who leads people, like now I have like a million followers in self-improvement. How can I just, oh, get the alarm and not wake up? Like, you know, it makes no sense. So when you put yourself in this place, it, it really does. And it, it, it can anyone can do that, you know? A blue belt can teach a white belt, you know, a brown belt can teach a blue belt. So, you know, even if you're beginning, you can still teach someone. And that's a you learn as much learning as you do teaching. So that, I think that's that is, very important. That is
1: exactly correct. I think not enough people recognize the fact that you, you learn a lot about yourself through teaching it to others, and you also learn new things. <laughs> and it's it's funny because what you've mentioned there exactly parallels something which always sticks with me is that you, you know David Goggins, right? Yeah, like, yeah. Crazy man, <laughs> ultra yeah. marathon runner, ex-Navy SEAL. He has been on record several times for saying that if he wakes up unmotivated at, you know, however early in the morning, he will spend half an hour looking at his Mm. shoes, waiting. You know, he doesn't want to do the workout either. He's like any of us. But he's got in the back of his mind that all of these followers, all of these kind of people that now consider him to be who inspires them, Yeah. There, there's that expectation. He's like, I'm David Goggins now. I, I'm a, I've assumed the identity of being a leader. I can't let all these people down by suddenly cowering and yeah, being Yeah, and weak.
0: shame is a strong feeling. I noticed that. I'm messing around TikTok. My mom knocks the door. Like, whoa, whoa! Whoa, you know, someone knocks right. the door. My girlfriend said, No, I'm not messing on TikTok. I'm, I'm working, I'm working. Right. So if someone's looking, if someone's looking, like, I'm like this. Suddenly the cow starts. Lots of people are going to look. Whoops, whoops, I want to look good. And that works not only for posture, not only for getting the abs tight, but for your speech. Suddenly I'm in a call, I don't wanna say bad things, I don't wanna be picking my nose, I don't wanna be doing... So you just get your act together when someone is looking. And you can have this mental thing, even when someone is not actually looking, that is like, you wanna just be that guy. Lots of people look up to me. Mm. You're gonna feel guilty if you don't do it, even though no one's looking. So that's, that's actually what you have to do. And that, that works wonders.
1: I really like the way you've mentioned shame there. Because I think oh, we live in a culture which is progressively becoming less and less about judgment. And I think judgment is necessary to an extent. We, we have this sort of whole mantra of, oh, don't judge. Anyone can do whatever they want. Your truth, what as long as it's okay for you. Yeah. When in reality, we need... Standards and boundaries, and a degree of judgment, because that's what yeah. holds us to good standards, and that's also what, kind of subconsciously, as you mentioned. I mean, I know exactly what you mean there, and, and the way you described it is, is, is perfect. Because if I'm if I ever catch myself scrolling on TikTok or Instagram, my mama will just be like, y- you know, you've told yourself you don't want to do this. Like, get off, get off the phone. Like, yeah, for me, I,
0: I I hear footsteps,
1: and I'm like, oh, whoa, whoa, right? Yeah, yeah.
0: it's literally like that. So it's, it's way more powerful. Like if I'm scrolling and I see a motivational video, I'm like, oh, scroll down. And then I hear footsteps. That's the real shit. Footsteps. They set you, man. Because when someone, that's the thing. Because we don't like to be humiliated. So that's, when someone enters and like, oh, you're messing on TikTok. You haven't done anything yet. You're like, oh, no, I have, I have. So that's the interaction. And they were fearful of that. So yeah, that works wonders. And that is very lacking in our society. That is very lacking. When I really grew up, Like When I did good things, I wasn't that praised by the school. I was praised by my father, but if he didn't exist, why would I have kept winning? Everyone got medals. My medal was like first, but everyone got medals, you know, so medals for participating, not even for third place, you know, so everyone just gets shit for anything, and that just really breaks all the meaning in doing things, so yeah.
1: I think it all goes against the the necessity of a hierarchy and the necessity of of competence and, and all the rest of it. Well, one of the things that you mentioned there quite quite nicely ties through to something I wanted to talk about a little bit on this podcast, which is posture, because you mentioned there, you know, if you're on a call and you're sort of like hunched over as exactly as you'd be, I don't know if anyone is watching this, maybe you're listening on Spotify, but you can click and and watch on video as well. It's on video as well. But I might be hunched over and looking at my phone. And if someone's looking at me and I'm for a podcast, I want to be sat upright and core engaged. But speaking specifically about posture... It's one of the things that I've seen of your content, which, yes, you share a lot about all of the things we've discussed so far about going to the gym, discipline, uh, all that mindset stuff. Like, you know, I don't need to list it off. But one of the things that I don't see from many content creators is stuff about posture, which I think is really valuable. And I know I have terrible posture and it's something that I'm working on. And I'm probably working on it because of only seeing it from you. So why, why do you think that, Posture isn't really spoken about considering the fact that we always spend ourselves in this anterior flex dominant position yeah. all day. Like, wh- wh- why do you think it's not spoken about?
0: That, that's a good question. For, like, I think people, number one, uh, most people don't sell posture products and they're not physiotherapy. So they, they just don't care that much. Uh, and second, most people, they just don't know a lot of posture. So their videos would just be. Get your shoulder. Stand up straight with your shoulders back, which is a good tip, but it's you know it's not in detail. So you can't just tell people to stand straight with their shoulders back. They're just going to hunch over again. So um, those are the main points. And for me, there are a few reasons which I did it. The first one is I have a severe anterior pelvic tilt, which is like similar to lumbar lordosis. I have a sticking belly when I stand up. Like if I stand up, I, I, I'm naturally like this. Like an enormous belly. And I'm like, I don't have fat. But if I'm standing like here, you're going to think I do. So I had a severe uh, problem. And in the pandemics, in COVID, I worked really hard on my posture. I researched really hard. So I, I knew quite a bit how to fix specifically anterior pelvic tilt. So I made a video just to see how it would work. And man, it went viral. It was my first video to get 2 million views. It was amazing. It was incredible. I got like 20,000 followers from a single video. And people loved it. So I, I knew I had to do more of them. And I know for me posture, of course, there's lots of things about health and about having like, no, looking nice and everything. Even looking nice, but for me it's always about, for me like, I, I perhaps I would be in a better posture, all oh, talking physio, uh, anatomically, if I was a bit more like this, contracting my abs like this. This is a neutral spine posture. This could be better. But sometimes I'm like this. Why? Well, it's not that bad for me, and I like it. You know, I feel good. I feel nice. I feel relaxed. I like this. I'm, I'm, I feel superior. I feel powerful. You know, and that's a big thing about posture, feeling. How do you feel? I like. I like to sit, men spreading with my legs wide open, and I like to talk with my hands, and I like to be like this. You know, and it and it's, it truly changes how you feel if you're like this, or if you're like. It it just feels wrong for me. So I think that's very important. I think lots of people, they just feel the wrong way. And in today's society, dang, man, even men spreading. People just like say that sitting with your legs wide open, it's bad. And you're knowing you're, oh, my God, and everything. So that that really happens. And boys suffer with that a lot. Jordan Peterson talks about that a lot, that schools are like, almost like made for girls. Like, oh, you can't, like, boys want to be loud. They want to talk a lot. They want to put their feet up. You know, they want to do fight and everything. No. Don't talk loudly. Put your hand to speak. Be submissive. Don't sit with your legs wide open. Be like this. Be like this. And they're just, they're just they are just—they have to be like uh, submissive, you know. And it's very bad for, for a boy to be way too much like that. And lots of introverted, naturally more introverted guys, they get scared. In my school, dudes were hella scared of the teachers. It was almost like they were gonna kill them. Oh, you're putting your feet up here. Oh my god, the teacher's gonna... Like they're, they're scared that's bad that, that that's way too bad for a child to be that scared no yeah to, to yeah. an
1: extent there's that there's that fear of the father but the not in terms of the school system and I think it's a, it's a conversation from another time and it's actually a topic I want to explore a little bit more with getting people on on the podcast in that sort of space who who maybe are advising schools or, or teachers who who think this as well but thinking about how the school system has only been around for a hundred and 50 years or 100 years. And yeah. is, we've not really put much thought into how it could be better. And I think, you know, it's definitely a conversation I want to have. Two of the things that you mentioned with regards to posture I, I want to pick up on. And the second one, I think is particularly important. And I hadn't really linked it like that before. Firstly, is, is the obvious, the, the physiological benefit of having good posture, of not being so lower back dominant because every everyone struggles with lower back pain. You'll see everyone who yeah, will go, oh, lower back yeah, bang. suffering will oh, lower back pain. Oh, my
0: lower back, yeah, yeah. Precisely,
1: that's everything. and it's obviously because of our really, really rigid environment. But the second one that isn't even really, really related to the pure physiological benefits is the feeling. Like you, you mentioned, yeah. your, your posture, as well as how you dress, is how you present yourself. And I don't think people recognize how much that actually makes a difference to, not only how you perceive yourself, but as a product of that how other people perceive you and how important mm. that is because again i think we live in a world where everyone likes to say that it doesn't matter what other people think and, yeah. and to, a, to an extent in in some circumstances yeah i've got to have that attitude about posting a podcast that i don't i don't, I don't i'm not going to care about the if i get backlash but i do care if i go out in the streets and i'm wearing adidas tracksuits with a hood up and my beard's all messy compared to if I'm wearing a shirt and a tie, maybe, and I'm at work yeah, yeah. And, I'm, and I'm presenting myself well. And I think that's really important. And I think it's really, really important that you highlighted it when, you, when you've when mentioned that that kind of a whole posture thing, right, as well. So um, I think that was that was super interesting to, to talk about. Darning it back, and I, and I want to understand the, the, how you got into content creation. Is it is it, as you described, that you went onto this sort of NoFap community and then became... A mentor for these younger guys. Was that then, did that then fuel you to create content and then expand out on a broader sense of topics? Or were you creating content before that?
0: Oh, no, it, uh, that was way before I started creating content. Really? When I was with these guys, that was still like 2020. There's okay. no videos of me in 2020. So, you no, know, I'm helping those guys out, Discord, and I get like kind of cured from, from masturbation. That's good for me. And then COVID hits, pandemic. That's my big time. Big time, you know? No friends, no school, nothing to do. Young kid, 24 hours, nothing to do. What I do? Firstly, I go gym. I work out like a madman. I put on a lot of mass. I become way better, I, I start liking myself. I start working out and I look at my arm and like, I see veins, I see striations, and I like that. I'm working out and I'm looking at myself and I'm liking it and I'm, I'm feeling confident. that's good. I'm reading lots of books. I I, I read a lot of books in that time, lots of biographies, biography of Leonardo da Vinci by Walter Isaacson, the biography of uh, Napoleon by Andrew Roberts. Those are really good books. I read uh, 12 Rules for Life. I read Beyond Order. I read Can't Hurt Me. So I started reading lots of like really good self-improvement books. and, And my life started truly changing. And I started truly getting a bit deeper into religion too, even though it's a very confusing topic still for me. I started truly feeling that I believed in something, and I believed there was meaning in the world, and I believed Mm. even more in purpose. And I started feeling like I was the one, like, had to organize things. Because when I read all of those books, the thing that I felt the most was like, damn, bro, that's so chaotic. Like Marshall B. Rosenberg, the guy that wrote Nonviolent Communication, he has so many ideas in common with Dale Carnegie, which wrote like How to Influence and Influence People. Like, we could make something like a way, a path, a journey for people to go through. Like they take pictures of themselves, then they read this book and then this book, and they start going through this path to find themselves. I did a self ordering suit, which is a paid thing from Jordan Peterson, which I wrote about my future, about my past. I did, I did basically an autobiography. And then I was like really self-improvement guy. And then I posted a bit, I just posted to test. Uh, and I posted a few videos. They weren't like really deep. They were mostly exercise videos. And I was posting and then classes come back. And then as soon as classes come back, I kind of stopped posting a bit. And then I stopped posting a bit and I'm in school. And then the craziest part of my life, because it was like the fastest part of my life. I I got back, I go back to school, and I'm like, I'm like, I'm thinking a lot about myself. I'm very self-centered now after the pandemic. I'm not like this so much extroverted guy. I'm still working out, I'm still getting my act together. Uh, Then I grow. I go to a party, a girl is drunk, she's trying to stay with me. I haven't stayed with in no girl for a year for the whole pandemic, no contact with any girl. And I'm just no, no, no. And then she, suddenly she says, Well, why don't we stay together? So, Sissy, which is my, my, my ex-girlfriend, so she's gonna be envious of you. And then I turn and I'm like, she wouldn't. She like w- w- she left me like she, almost three years ago. And she's like, oh, well, but I see how she's now now looking at you. And when she said that, I'm like, What do you mean? And she's like, well, she's, she's drunk, you know. So she, She's exposing her. So she's like, well, I'm a girl. She's looking at you differently. I'm like, nah, nah, that can't be. So the party ends. I go home. And I'm like, I'm like not there, you know. People are talking to me and, and I don't hear them. I'm like, what did she say? Could that be true? And I'm like, damn, could that be true? So I just, I think to myself, I'm like crazy about this thought. I'm thinking about this all the time. And I think to myself, damn, man, I need to do something. I'm gonna do something. So I stopped reading books. I stop like uh, doing lots of things. I was doing projects, and I pause everything. And I'm like, I'm gonna do it now. I start. I start doing a crazy cut, like I lose a lot of weight. I become way leaner. I start doing oh, man, so many, so many stuff, and I start noticing and noticing and noticing. And then I go to a party, and in this party she's still dating another guy, and but then she looks a bit at me a bit differently, and at that moment I knew I was gonna do it. So yeah, I did lots of things. There was like a big event in my school. That everything just fits so perfectly. It was like an Olympics, and it was very physical. So I was like, "I'm gonna dominate," and I, I dominated so much. I was the leader of our team. There were like ten teams. I was the leader of the team, and we we won. But then at the at the very end, it was very like, uh, oh The other team was very close to us, and there was a, a challenge to like the plunge, you know, in the ground. So it was me, other three guys. They were already a bit like, "Damn, bro, you're gonna win. This is gonna be." them. They, they were like, they were such pussies, you know, I wanted a big challenge, they were like, oh man, we're gonna go against Augusto, that's so unfair. And then uh, then I was like there, and they failed in like one minute. <laughs> Very sad for them. And the girl that was counting the points, she had no idea what a planche was, and she had no idea about what is a good and what is a bad. So she just said, for some reason, she was like uh, the manager of that thing from the school, an old woman, oh, if you can stay 10 minutes, we'll give you double the points, which is an absurd number of points. And it's not that much time, you know. So, so I just stayed in there. One, and it was amazing. The girl was very happy with me. I got together with her. So that was like my main story. She ended up breaking with the guy. And then I was like feeling like, even though I was like feeling like Superman again, there was this extra feeling. This extra feeling of like hunger. This extra feeling of uncertainty. Of not taking things for granted. So now I had a girl. I had the popularity. I regained what I lost, but I also gained wisdom. I get like, I'm not going to take all of this for granted. I'm still going to talk to her more about the relationship. I'm still going to check in on how's the sex going? How's the love life making going? Is she feeling happy or not? I'm going to listen to people if they say, man, your girlfriend's not happy. I'm not going to be like, oh, dickhead. Oh, no, I'm good. You know, so I I got lots of humility from that. And that was basically the end of my my school life. And after that, uh, I just, came back to posting because it's what I, what I wanted to do. I just wanted to be like Hamza, which is a content creator I admire a lot and everything. And also content creation was also a way that I believed that if I did fail on getting her, I would like be very famous and still go after her. <laughs> so it was very obsessive, to be honest. And I, obviously we have to admit that. But you know, sometimes when you just can't let go of something, you had to use it. I believe that if I just, yeah, if I just, I wasn't being able to let go, so I tried to make something good out of it. I knew everyone told me I knew I was like being like a sicko for not letting go of it, but I just, I just wasn't. I was like, yeah. well, let's make something good out of it, yeah.
1: Yeah, you're so right. And I, one of the things I was thinking uh, earlier on in the conversation, and I'm glad you sort of like addressed it. And a lot of the time, particularly, I mean, how old, how old are you now?
0: Now I'm 19.
1: You're 19, so. When when all this was happening three years ago, for for the listeners, you got to understand like you were like fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, essentially.
0: Yeah, the last girls in the world and everything. Yeah. And,
1: I, and I think as young men, we can be quite, we can do a lot of things purely for the for the validation or for the attention of the opposite sex. And I think yes, of course, it can go too far. Like. I'm not doubting that at all. And I, I would certainly say it, it goes too far, probably more often than not with, with young people because they get obsessed when, they're, when they're yeah, yeah. they don't know I was so. very obsessed, yeah. But I, but I think actually, you know what, like exactly as you're saying there, if you can't change that, obviously you want to work to gradually change it. But if you can't in the moment, you've got to make something good out of it. And I would yeah. say, even for my personal life, maybe not to the same, to the same extent as yourself, but both of the, breakups that I've had in like the last 5 years both of them have fueled me to go on to do bigger and better things and for at least for the initial part of breaking up with them like just afterwards it is a motivation to hit the gym yeah. it is a motivation to to get back on self improvement and even if it's not to, to get back with them, I, which I think sometimes can, again, be toxic. You know, you look at all these YouTube videos, how it get back with your ex? Well, yeah, like, most like of coach, them coach are. Coach Corey yeah. Wayne and then all these people that are on. Exactly, online.
0: exactly. And the thing that I I, I just popped in my mind is actually a Jordan Peterson lecture, which was made into a song by Akira Dadan. Oh, it okay. goes something like, Uh, What is God? And Jordan Peterson is asked, what is God? And he says he doesn't like that question because he doesn't know if the person conceptualizes the idea of God the same way as he does. But he he explains it in in a way, uh, he talks a lot about evolution and he says something like, well, people say evolution is random, but that's not true. The selective mechanisms are actually not random. The mutations are, but not the selective mechanisms. And he says that women select for something. Well, what do they select for? Well, beauty, the best hunter. Well, he uh, has be kind of humble. He also be kind of courageous. And he says it's something like competence. Well, and men compete with each other in a hierarchy. And he says that that is divine, this hierarchy, this competitiveness, like the women that are selecting people. And then we, we are born through that. We are born through the love of the selection, not only for attractiveness and for beauty, but for the best person. And I believe that obviously you shouldn't just, just chase a woman. But if you think like, what do women like? Well, you have to smell nice. You have to be athletic. You have to be healthy. You, you, don't, you can't be a moron, you have to be making some money. So if you think to yourself, how can I increase my sexual market value? You will probably end up with some, some nice things, you know. You're, you're like, well, I wanna get this girl back. What do I do? Well, you cut your hair. Well, you get your teeth kind of white. You get your skin better. You get like healthier. And in the end, you're gonna be happier You're going to be more prone to get other girls, to get more jobs, to get everything, because women select for good men. So chasing, not like the women, but chasing to be a better partner is in essence chasing to be a better person. And that's that's what I believe I did.
1: It's not making a list of characteristics you want to see in another person, but asking yourself, what would another person want from me? And I think being a bit more introspective, looking in the mirror, self critical and working towards being a better partner for your future wife is certainly what I'm doing and I'm not currently looking for a relationship I'm trying to build myself up gradually I know that the next few years I'm I'm still only a young man myself I turned 22 in a couple of weeks and even even at my age now I know that I've got many years until I will hit my prime as a man maybe maybe late 20s maybe early 30s where I'm sort of I've learned all of these things and I'm in a position to protect and provide and hopefully, yeah. through all of this self-development and thinking about these things, and yes, in the back of my mind, there is that that factor of well, I'm going to be more attractive. But just doing those things and and moving the needle in that direction in all aspects of my life is, of course, going to bring me a, a more optimum outcome in all facets of life, right? And yeah, I think, yeah, exactly. You know, pe- people people get too caught over those over this thing, and they do they do focus on women too much, and that all that stuff does happen. But again, I think there's a reason why it's such a good judge on men, right? Like women yeah. are the judge at the end of the day. They're either going to choose you or not. And I think, you know, you yeah. make it, it's just, this is what Andrew Tate gets right. In my opinion, he does get things wrong, but this is what he gets right. He, he, he correctly kind of diagnoses that man, woman dynamic of like, yeah, you've just got to accept the reality of life. The biological reality that is more prevalent in some less prevalent than others But it's a general truth that obviously women will want a competent leader masculine stable loving compassionate man and that's just what it is and you've just got to be more like that like you can't just argue that (laughs) away
0: yeah exactly exactly guys tell me that like i'm a short man i'm like five nine and everything and i'm not six feet and and lots of guys come to me and they're like oh man i'm short girls these days are all whores. they only want six foot guys i'm never gonna get a girl and it's obvious that they are like just giving excuses and it's like you can't fight reality. Girls prefer a guy that's taller. That's just true, man. And you prefer a girl that's shorter than you. That's just true. But you know, but most guys also the they make things to be way, way worse than they really are. You know, those incels like, "Oh, I don't have a jawline. I'm never going to get a girl." "Oh, I don't have the nice hair." "Oh, I don't I'm not making as much money." You can always compensate. You can always compensate. You're not that you're not at all the X project well, you're not that jack, Perhaps you're taller. Oh, whoa, you're making more money. Oh, my hair is bad. Well, be smarter. Be more humble. Be, be, no, be more competent in other areas. And there's always ways. The truth is, the truth is, man, that it's crazy for a guy that wants to be with women to not be, considering the internet and how many people we can meet. Like he wants to do to get with a girl. He's young. He's, he doesn't have any type of severe problem. And he can't. And he can't. It's just know, obviously, you're young, you're 14, you're learning your way, you're, you're 16. But no, it, it is a sign, and it's important. And you have to truly ask yourself, well, why women aren't wanting me? Jordan Peterson says that in Joe Rogan podcast. All women reject me. All women are wrong. No, of course not, man. You, you have to just look in the mirror. And I really fight that. One of my largest fights, like I fight porn addiction, I fight nihilism. And the other one I fight is I fight is hate. Like, I hate the world. I hate capitalist society, and I hate all women. That's very strong, man. And, and young kids, they really do get like that. They get really hateful. They, 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 they have this very intense hate to women for not being able to get with them. And that's something that we really have to work do on. You think because it gets
1: bad. Do you think that's what the red pill gets wrong?
0: Yeah, I think, I think the thing that red pill gets wrong the most is not showing enough that there are good women. Like I, I think I think that's a that's a very bad thing because you know I'm not gonna lie there are lots of dumb women and of course there are but you know it's not like they can't just show a decent pretty smart elegant humble woman you know you just don't see it and for most men they feel like they are unicorns they never see one and they don't see examples they inspire themselves in Jordan Peterson they like Andrew Tate they like Hamza well who's Jordan Peterson's wife. No one knows, Stammy Peterson, no one really knows. Well, who's Hamza's girlfriend? Well, no one really knows. Who is Andrew State's girlfriend? Well, no one really knows who are them and what they do. No one really knows. So, uh, you know, I never, never, I, I have never seen a self-improvement girl talking about lots of things. So, you know, you just don't see, and it, she doesn't have to be in a position of power. She doesn't have to be the main person of the channel. She doesn't have to be a present. She can just be a, a mom inside the house. You, you can, you can, guys can just show like a girl that takes care of the kids. Ask her a few questions. Show some things they do. You know, I think that that is very lacking. And guys, they just don't interact enough with women. And that's what causes them, to any time a woman shows some type of like, hey, hi, how are you doing? They think they, they think they, the girl wants to fuck them. So they, they become this like weird guy, who's so alone that. Even if a woman is gentle to them, it just won't work because now he's desperate. So, yeah, I think that most guys, they lack seeing women. They should see women more. They're they're out of university. They're out of school. They're, like, years without touching a girl. That's bad, yeah. So, yeah, they don't have this feminine example, too. And that's something. You need to have balance. You You need to have this balance. For me, that was a big thing.
1: Yeah, I think there's a huge move, particularly with dating apps recently and the progression of the dating, you know, we talk about this kind of sexual marketplace, sexual marketplace value. If you look at the number of men who are matching with women and the number of women who are matching with men, it's an increasingly smaller pool of men who are getting an increasingly larger pool of women. And I think that's the, the dating apps aren't really telling us anything we didn't or shouldn't have already known. They're just making it more extreme. And we should look to this data and realize that it's telling us the the truth that women will select for the most competent, you know, financially abundant. All the things we spoke about earlier, men. And I think that kind of wraps up that kind of part of the discussion is that...
0: Yeah, and men, I think the worst part is really that, like, they just go in Tinder. They go in parties. They go in Tinder, then parties, then, like, clubs, and then... They go at places where most girls are not high value, obviously. And then after doing that, they're like, well, all these women are whores. You know, it's almost like as if they have set themselves up to that. What type of girl would go on Tinder? What kind of girl do you think you're going to find in the club with like the boobs showing that you're going to try to get with her? Like you're setting yourself up, you know. And then it's like, oh, there are no good girls. Well, you're not seeing them, you're not looking for them, you're not going to libraries, you're not going to gyms, you're not like tr- truly trying to talk to people. So yeah, yeah, I think men just set themselves up for failure, like Tinder is a setup for failure. Like, well, you're not above average, you're not making a lot of money, you're not six feet, you're not jacked. What did you think was gonna happen if you put yourself in Tinder, you know? Obviously you're gonna fail, so most men, they just set themselves And I think there's nothing wrong in just waiting and having a bit of a more normal life, just wait, you don't have to be desperate, you know, just live life. Like most people, they don't realize that they can meet someone living life. They ask me like, well, where am I gonna find this girl if not in a club? And I'm like, well, what do you do? What do you do with your life? And I like, well, I'm an engineer. I go to the gym. And I'm like, well, how did your mother meet your father? They're like, well, they met at work. They had friends of friends. They were on a trip. And I'm like, well, that's how people met. You know, you don't you don't always have to go to a nightclub or to a big party. To yeah, right. People. You're just setting yourself up, man.
1: I think that organic connection as well is is also about the the focus and, and where you're looking. And I know we've spoken about how uh, having girls as a thing as a young man can help you shape your life to become the best partner because you you look inwardly and you self improve. But also in my position now, I'm self improving, and I myself I would consider myself a Christian, and I believe that you know, as long as I stay on my path and I develop myself in all these aspects and and I continue growing in my relationship with God and I'm going to church, then there will be those kind of women in the future that share and align with my values, but also I'll find them in the church, for example, because exactly. that's where they are going to be. They're going to be aligned with my values in in, in faith and also be grounded in, you know, in, not, in, not in the world, but in... In Christ, and I think that's a big, yeah, thing yeah, well. that's a big thing.
0: I think you really have to find someone, friends, and everything that have similar values to you. That helps a lot. Andrew Tate talks about that about the energy of living with other people that are good and everything. And I, as that's for very extroverted people, if you are very extroverted, you may suffer with that. I am so extroverted, so like attention seeking dependent that in the past I was like, um, I was, you know. I wasn't setting the standards high enough for the people who live with me. And that's important, man. Like, if you're a Christian, you have to set the boundaries, man. Like, you're a Christian, you believe in that. You're not going to be perhaps living or like going every day to see a guy who's like believes in demons or like a Satanist. You're just not, you know. You have to just put your lines in place. And when I was in school in university, my man, my university was the pontific, I don't know if I'm translating, but it's pontific Catholic university of the thing. So it was a Catholic university. But, bro, like, man, there were, like, so many, it was awful. I was just so, like, I wanted to be with people. So I just accepted it. I accepted people mocking the the cross on the wall. I I didn't say nothing when people were, like, mocking right-wing people. I didn't say nothing when people were using drugs all the time. I didn't say nothing when people did, like, lots of things. And sometimes that just really makes you feel bad inside. And lots of guys, like, I know lots of guys, they just want to fuck someone and they, they are with a girl. They're a right-wing guy. I start talking to them. Oh yeah, right-wing guy. Oh yeah, I'm a farm guy. Oh yeah, I have guns. Yeah, jujitsu. Yeah, I have like a big truck. Like, oh yeah, who's your girlfriend? It's like her. And it's a communist. Communist girl, e-girl, yeah. gamer. And I'm like, dude. How is she going to raise her kids? How are you going to live with her? How is this going to work? And you're like, well, I'm going to change her. I'm going to be patient. Yeah, I I think
1: a lot of guys focus on that short-term hedonistic pleasure. And I think that's a big, that's a a vice as well. You know, even though it is that confidence and that being able to get girls per se in culture is like a culturally good thing. And that's, that's a big problem that I have with someone like an Andrew Tate is... They encourage people to be sexually promiscuous, and oh, yeah. I, I I view that not as bad as pornography, but I still I I don't think that's the correct way to live. I think the correct way to live is to, I mean, in my view, obviously I'm 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 waiting for marriage. I know that that is that's a Christian thing, but I, I would say not engaging the, in the short term pleasures and trying to delay that and trying to be a bit more grounded is in a lot more alignment with everything that that you've been sharing.
0: No, I was a guy who hooked up with lots of girls for a short period of time, for a few years there. And I also dated multiple girls in long relationships with rings and a very exclusive relationship, traditional relationship. And Andrew Tate said this himself. I'm not only saying this, me, Andrew Tate said, he he said it in like a funny way, but it was true. He said something like, well, you guys do nothing. Imagine what I could have done if I was only with one girl. He said, imagine all the things I could have done if I was only dating one girl instead of like chasing the hoes spending time going to parties, having to deal with so many problems, and this whole, what's this, and this one's that, he said this in his manner, calling them like that, and he said it, and it, it, in some sense, it is true, because when I was trying to get a lot of girls, it was so inefficient, so unproductive, oh, this girl sent his WhatsApp, this one sent this, I'm gonna go to dinner with this one, and I have to go to this party, get all their done, and then when you, Dating her like in the beginning of the thing, you're just like, oh, just doing sex and then love and then this. And you're not like truly having a partner which can open up and help you with, with, with stuff. When there is a one day of your week which is like, yeah, I'm going out, going out with this girl. What are you going to do? Oh, we're going to watch the sunset. This beginning of the things is good. But it, you know, if you're having these lots of beginnings with lots of different girls, you're just hooping up, you're just, you know, having it's very unproductive. It's very time wasting. And honestly, it's just, meaningless you don't i don't remember the name so far you asked me oh what were the name what were their names man i don't remember and it's not because it was a lot it's because i couldn't care less about their name you know and that's the problem i was hooking with them only for their bodies and that's just at the end of the day it's the same thing as eating like uh i don't know you're eating a candy you're the candy wow really good and then i ask you oh hey zach how did you feel about the chocolate bar you ate one year ago and you're gonna be like Ah, oh, yeah, 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 it was good. It was good, yeah. It's it's completely meaningless afterwards. So that's how I feel. It was almost like I, I ate lots of chocolate bars. And how do you feel about them now? Well, it was kind of bad. Yeah, I wasted it, a bit of time there. And it detracts
1: no. from your purpose as well. Because, again, yeah you, you only have limited time. And, and I'm not saying you have to be completely robo doing... Literally working twenty four hours a day, being super efficient and productive. But I think yeah, yeah. if you're if you're going around chasing women as well, it means that you're firstly you're probably getting tangled up in in bad things that you shouldn't be. you're, probably, ah, you're getting you're, lots of trouble. You're probably hurting the women as well. You're probably hurting yourself in the long run. You're not the You're not you you drink, the one to drink.
0: a little bit. Yeah. You yeah do exactly. That.
1: Um, yeah. One of the things that um, my friend actually, I, I have a I have a friend who who grew up as grew up in Brazil, and uh, I mentioned that I was doing this podcast with you. Uh, And he is also a Christian, so he had a question that he wanted to kind of forward on and and ask you. One of the things I said in my baptism speech is that we can't self-develop ourselves to perfection. And have you ever thought about the role of faith and religion and and Christianity in what you do? Because it is obviously, in a lot of the people, that what they share, they want to ground in something above themselves, that purpose, that direction yeah. beyond just self-developing so that you can be a little bit better for other people. And the question is then always, but then what, like what goes beyond yeah. that? Like what's the point? Cause you mentioned as well, like the, the nihilism that people were having and that you have that purpose. But to me, the, to the nth degree. So the extension of that, if you keep following that path down and down and you find, for example, Christianity to be true and you, and you read the Bible, you realize that, there is that greater purpose. And have you kind of approached that in your own life? Have you come across faith? Have you explored Christianity? Or is that not something you've looked into that much?
0: Yeah, I I actually, I have. And I have a very similar view to Jordan Peterson when I ask him, like, well, is Christ divine? It depends on what you mean by divine. Like, have his ideas transcended? Yes. Has he resurrected? I don't know. So for me, the big thing uh, for me, it was was always like, uh, it was never hard for me to accept God. Like, it was never hard for me to accept the idea that there was a creator. It was never hard for me to, to accept any of that. that. That just seemed natural and, and, and obvious and, and important for us to understand. And, you know, even though Christianity has lots of like um, uh, problems with evolution, it's not something that fits with the whole narrative. I, I was someone that perhaps I, I'm, I'm not very knowledgeable about the subject, but I always saw God a bit in those kinds of things. I, I always saw like, well, just like John, P. I like that's not random. Like, we're not, I, I, my face is not like that random. Like, I, I, that's something I like telling people your face. You know why your face looks like that, Zach? It's not because of your mother and your father, man. It, it's really not. It's because of millions of people. Millions, imagine millions of people, like in a circle. And they are choosing. A woman chooses that guy. That guy chooses this woman. They make a person. That new person chooses that. And lots of, cho- cho- like, lots of people choosing and lots of people dying without having children, their faces erased. And all the characteristics born from love, your the, the face, the, the like your eyes, your nose, your lips, they were born through love, love from this woman to this man, lots of love, lots of millions of combinations of love generated the specific format of her face. And that for me, uh, no one could tell me that is not divine in any sense. So I believe in lots of, uh, of, of stuff like that. And I believe like there is a bigger truth that we need to find about the space and the universe and everything. And I believe being nihilistic is the worst thing you can actually do, and everyone should study uh, some types of, of religions. And I think that the, the biggest obstacle, in my opinion, as an, uh, someone that hasn't completely accepted Christianity uh, to, to Christians, tell them like an, almost like an advice, the biggest obstacle is the stigma. It's very similar to something like perhaps Trump. It will sound ridiculous, but if you're, like, if you're saying something, you're like, well, I kind of like Trump. People put you in a box. Oh, he's a right-wing guy. He's a MAGA guy. He's a moron. And if you say, like, well, I admire Christ. People are like, oh, yeah, he's that Christian. He's going to tell us to not have sex. He's, like, the boring guy. So that happens a lot. If 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 I'm, like, if, I'm, if I'm here and people tell me, well, why wouldn't you do that? And I say, well, it's a sin. People are going to be like, ah, oh, what a stupid reason. So there are, people have, I don't know how it is in the U.S., but people in Brazil, they have some real... Like hate towards like uh, the Catholic Church and Christianity. and that's that's very sad. that that's very sad, I, but like uh, and, and I believe. and my my thing, like something that Andrew Tate says, and you must know, i I'm that's what I truly believe. I think Christians in general, like the Christian community, and like even the Pope, because I, I think it's a bit soft. and that's I, I'm not trying to be rude, but no, I just feel like no, he, the book says something. and when you start opening excuses, The whole story just falls. It's almost as if it's not real. Oh, yeah, my father wasn't a Christian. I saw a kid tell that. My father wasn't a Christian. Is he going to hell? He's like, well, perhaps not. And then when he says things like that, people just say, well, probably the whole book isn't true. Well, he's just saying that. And people just lose the faith in it. People have to, like, truly stick to things because so many Christians having sex and they're not married, so many Christians like that. And then it just feels like Christianity is not a real thing. You you look at, like, Muslims and people... People are afraid to speak bad of them. People are afraid to, like, mock them. You you don't need to chop people's heads. Obviously, they're going too far. I know Christianity is a religion of love. But, man, people are just madly disrespecting religion. Andrew Tate said, like, if you pick a shirt, Jesus is gay, and you walk around the streets in Brazil, nothing's going to happen to you. I assure you, nothing. Now you get, like, "Uh, Muhammad is gay. Bro, you're not coming out alive, even in Brazil, because some Muslim is going to see and even if he doesn't punch you, he's going to say something. So Christians need to say something. And that's a yeah. Western problem. Because even though I'm not a Christian, when I saw the people in my class mocking the cross, and even the teacher was like, oh yeah, that boring cross has to be there because of the school, but it shouldn't really be there. Yeah, <laughs> I, even though I'm not a Christian, I was like, dude, those." I was like feeling like saying something. I should have like stood up and be like, you're disrespectful, you're disrespectful, this is absurd. But I was like that. Why? Well, because we Westerners, we are scared of everything. we should truly and you read I read some of the stories in the in the Bible people are like they, they truly they don't care about what others think. they go there, they say stuff they like they, they truly like they, they like they risk themselves, they risk death to protect their faith. and most Christians don't even like risk they don't they want to, they want to risk nothing yeah, like, I, of I, I, I agree
1: I, I think it's I think it's the challenge because because we live in a, a world which is increasingly secular. And everything is very atheist and very um, worldly. We chase these worldly pleasures. We follow these popular culture influences who tell us we can do and be and say anything. And one of the things actually I wanted to, to bring up just in the back of that is that I have a friend who did a master's dissertation at university. And it was, mm-hmm. my way, my truth, my light. Is there a better story? Because that's a that's a big quote that, that that Jesus says in the New Testament, mm-hmm. which is, I am the way, the truth, and the light.
0: The life. No and one comes to the Father except through me. E- exactly,
1: yeah. and he said that a lot of the culture now is my way, my truth, my. <laughs> and he was saying that, like, we we not only see this in culture where people create their own gods and senses of identity, and there's no proper boundaries and structure, yeah. but also to pick up on your point, I think it's so true that Christians these days, a lot of them pick and choose. Things from the Bible they'll follow when it's convenient. Things that are really challenging topics often because they, they confront a lot of what's going on now, you know, for example, with gender identity, for example. I don't want to open that kind of worms, but that's an example of where, you know, the culture is going one way and the Bible is very clear. And I think. Yeah, it
0: just lacks lots of leadership. Like, I don't know any Brazilian content creator who has the balls to stand up and say, well, I'm a Christian, I believe in those things those things are a sin, because people, it's almost as if Christians don't believe in hell, that's what I feel sometimes, because hell, like, imagine you're a Christian, like, you are a Christian, hell is a serious thing, hell is awful, my friend is not a Christian, I should be worried, you're going to hell, it's not like it's just a book, because people act like it's just a book, it's like a fantasy, it's not, like, people, like, you're gonna go to hell, man, like, I'm serious, and and if you truly act with it, Andrew Tate said it, if you truly believe it, the guy sees that you're a Christian. The guy sees that you truly believe it. Like you embody it. You're like, man, I love you, you're my friend. You're gonna you don't understand, you're gonna run in hell. Even though he doesn't believe you, even though he says, no, no, if he truly sees that you're worried through him, even if he doesn't convert, that thing is gonna be in his head. He's gonna be like, damn, man. Like, and if if enough people act like that, other people are gonna get scared. Mm-hmm. Or people are gonna like truly want to be in heaven too. If lots of people are like, we're gonna be in heaven, lots of people post videos about how they truly believe in those things. People are going to, but people just don't. They just yeah, don't.
1: It's very niche online. And, and you know why? It's because we live in a culture where no one wants to judge, everyone wants to love. So, yeah. the thing is about Christ is that on the cross, he is judgment because he's taking on the just punishment for our sins. So, that's the judgment element. But it's also because he loves us that he does it. And in our culture, we have pure love and pure understanding and compassion and no. Judgment and punishment and objective right and wrong, which I believe fundamentally is given in that blueprint from God in, in the Bible, inspired through uh, inspired by God, written by people in the Bible. And so, I don't know. I, I don't want to go off on too, too much of a tangent, but I thought it was yeah, a, yeah. it was an interesting discussion to have because I do feel like there is a general turn, uh, especially from my friend podcast had on previous guest David Hammond, who is turning towards Christianity because he's he's recognizing that it's it's that thing above yourself as a man in your purpose. So, you know what, I, I would encourage you, you and potentially the listeners to, to look into that more. Um, but I think it's, it's certainly, to me, the natural extension of following this path of self-development and all of the things we talked about today about turning away from what I'd consider as sins, but you can explain in your videos why those things yeah. are sinful in a secular sense. And I, I guess that's the general movement. That's what Jordan Peterson's kind of doing as well with, with, with with taking these complex things and breaking it. breaking Yeah, breaking them.
0: I think that's very important, actually. And I think in the self-improvement journey, comes as I talking about it, you're inevitably going to start to get a bit more religious because you just think about it. And uh, Jordan Peterson is actually writing a new book. Yeah, he, thought, he talked about it when we were there. I was there twice, so I don't know if it was the part where you were there. But he said his new book is going to be called We Who Wrestle With God, which is what Israelites mean. Israelites mean we who wrestle with God. And I liked a lot when he said it, because I believe there could be a self-improvement guy who works his way up to the top and is still in 80s. But the only way he could be that is if he's truly wrestling with God. He's not a more like, oh yeah, I don't believe it. He's like, he doesn't believe, but he's trying to. He's looking into it, he's like truly researching. If you're not like looking into God, trying to believe, trying to check this, trying to research and trying to understand, you're not doing it right, man. The self-improvement journey must take you on a path for you to wrestle with God, wrestle with the idea of truth, beauty. How did we come into existence? Because most of the atheists guys, they're not like the, these atheists who wrestle with good idea. Most of them are just like, well, it was the Big Bang. Well, it was this, it was that. So yeah, most people they just don't want to go that way. They're just scared. They're I just, think
1: people are yeah. scared and cynical. They're, they'll they'll be they'll they'll think that they're better. They'll they'll be arrogant and they'll think that their intellectual yeah. mind will be able to dispel with the idea of God when actually. It's so ingrained in us, in our human nature, to be curious yeah. and questioning and look to that thing that is outside ourselves.
0: Um, exactly for me, there is a test to see if someone is actually good. That is gonna be a really quick one. Like and let me get something, like a button. Like, well, if someone, let's imagine this is a button. I, I tell this to my friends, I can tell actually to you. You have this button, the DGI button. If you press this button, everyone in the world will live a perfect life. Oh, but people say to me, oh, but a perfect life is not good because it's perfect. And we love, and we also like things that are imperfect. I, I know it's the perfect life with the perfect things. You know, it's the best life they could live. Uh, but it's a, but this is the important part, but it's a single player game. You in your own life, it's almost as you enter a pod and I enter my pod. So when I press this button, everyone there's a pod, like Matrix, perfect life, as happy as it could be, as close to God as it could be, but it's all a simulation. It's not true. Like, would you press this button? And I tell this to people, and lots of my friends were like, yeah, why wouldn't I? I'd press this button. But for me, if someone says that they would, it's the exact type of people who don't really want to look truly into God. It's the exact type of people who lie to themselves, because they choose feeling over truth. You know, they just, they better don't think that they're in machine. They, just, they don't want to think that things are not real, They don't want to think about hell. They don't want to think. They only care about their feelings. They only care if they're happy or not. Well, I'm living a happy life. I'm living death. Uh, They live in their own, just like you said, they create their own God, their own values, their own identity, and they live in their own perfect box. They don't care about all anything. They don't care about the past and history and everything that everyone has built. They don't care about the whole future and the eternal things and heaven or hell. They don't want to worry about things. So they just press a button of like, closing my mind, I'm just living with myself, and if someone starts talking about what happens after you die, then you're gonna be like worried, and they just press the button of nothing, there's nothing after I die, because they're way too worried that there's gonna be something, you know, so yeah, people just, they, that's why they drug themselves, they listen to a lot of music, because they hate their life, they work out, I need to listen to music, they wash the dishes, I need to listen to music, why? Because the music stops, silence, they're just worried, they're anxious, people drug themselves, and people just want to like watch lots of series because if they stay still, they're worried. So most people, they're just like in their own world. They have never, like Jordan Pitcher said, they have never like sat in their bed one night and be like, okay, what's something in my life that I could fix and that I would fix? Because if they do it, they're going to look around and their whole bedroom is like, oh my God, it's a dragon pit. There's things that they're scared everywhere. They're scared of their mother, scared of their father, scared of their girlfriend, scared of their own body, scared of their computer, scared of like how to get a business, scared of hell, scared of God, scared of being dumb. People are just so afraid. They don't have enough leadership. They don't have a way. And that's what I'm trying to provide. I'm trying to provide them with a way. Okay, you're going to take pictures of your body. You're going to weigh yourself. You're going to start working out. You're going to get confidence. Now you're a bit more confident. Okay, let's get your diet right. Let's get your sleep right. You're a bit healthier. You're a bit more confident. Choose a problem in your life that you can't fix. Okay, let's get a book that's going to give you knowledge so you can fix that problem. And then you start working someone from the ground up. And really, that's going to end up in someone being so confident and so brave that they can deal with the idea of God, of hell, of heaven, of what is going to happen. Because people are way too weak. You know, they just don't really have the strength to deal with these ideas. They're going to like blow their minds. That's what happens, really.
1: I think, you know what, that circles all the way back to the beginning of the discussion where we were talking about how we're living in this comfort. You, live, you you grew up very fortunately and breaking up with your girlfriend, that first time was was shattered your world. I think in the same way as people live in this comfort and it's all cushy cushy and then they don't want to confront the suffering and the hard big questions of life as you've described there. And I think people need that. People need that, that reality. Um, yeah. One of the things I wanted to ask before we kind of, Draw this to draw this to a close because I'm very conscious of time. uh, Is what what does your current day-to-day, week-to-week schedule look like? As someone who's sort of we've described your journey through a lot of these vices, coming out of the other side, building yourself up, creating content, and I've loved some of the discussions and the kind of the things that have shot off as a result of that discussion here or there. We've had some we've shared some good knowledge. I think you've, you've you've done that really well. How does your current day-to-day, week-to-week schedule look like?
0: Yeah, I'm just opening now my Google agenda. I'm someone who's very, like, organized and everything. I have, like, even our podcast right here by the side of something. Um, and my routine is, I'm, like, very, like, obsessed and trying to make things good. Now, right now, I'm experimenting on living with other men because I believe that could be good for me. You guys should, like, truly think about it. As I spend a lot of time with my girlfriend. And I'm a very, like, uh, I know, active guy. When I want to do stuff. So, And you should think really about that in your relationship. That's something you should be careful. If you spend too much time with women and not enough time with men, you may masculinize your girl. That truly happens, man. I I was working out every day with my girl. What happens? I'm trying to compete with her. I'm trying to get her to work out even harder. And then I'm doing MMA with my girl. I want her to hit me harder. And I want to do harder. And then at at some point, she was just like, wow, she literally told me, Augusto, I'm not your bro. And when she told me that, I was like, Damn. Because I wanted to run with her, I was like, no, but David Goggins, we need to hard run and run harder. And she was like, well, I don't want to run harder. I, 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 I'm, I'm not a warrior. And then I was like, yeah, she's not a warrior. So yeah, you should always like, even if you can't live with other men, you should always like have someone, even online that you're competing with and creating this mind thing. So I'm experimenting with that. Um, and for me, a big thing is waking up early. I like Choco wheeling. Uh, if you can't wake up early, of course, you, you don't, worry. if you're able to, if you can't sleep early in your schedule, I like to wake up early. I would not recommend in general waking up before the sun rises. Why? I like Andrew Huberman. I trust him a lot. He's a neuroscientist. I believe that you should get sun in your eyes as soon as you wake up. If you wake up and it's still dark, well, you could get it later. But you know, it's not practical. And for me, it just feels weird. So I wake up at 6 a.m. It's when the sun is rising a bit. That's good for me. And for 15 minutes... I write my dreams. I'm really hard on dream journaling. I like it a lot, not only to analyze it, not only because it's good and in the future I can do something with it, but because I just love my dreams. I love to know about them. I love to remember them. I love to think about them. And that, that that's really a great part of my day. Uh, I try to do like videos. In the past I used to write them, but now I just find it easier to just talk. I just talk way faster than I write. So I like that. I drink about a liter of water, Because, you know, practical drink, wake up, drink some water, go to the bathroom, put my shoes, which I use every day, which are like Vibram V-Tracks, they are very much different, and they have like the toes separated, modern shoes, get your toes all together, and you don't really use the muscles in your feet, so I use those all the time, except when I'm going out, then I use like boots, because I get like a little bit taller, and it also protects my feet, and then I go to eat, I would not recommend you eating like me, I'm only doing that because I want to gain as much muscle as possible, and I want to get huge, But Andrew Huberman said that you perhaps could, like, eat a little bit later in the day, but, you know, I'm bulking. I need to be eating all the time. So I do as many burpees as I can, just like, I do, like, 21, 25 burpees. Just, like, get the blood flowing, get some adenosine in your brain. You feel a bit more awake, so you're not eating your food. Like, oh, you know, that's really bad. That's really inefficient, slow. So I just do as many burpees as I can. It's fun. I go there, I'm getting sun, I'm in the grass, and I'm doing, like, as many burpees as I can. And it's a bit of a challenge. And I just write a number, and every day I try to do one more. It's very quick. It's going to take you like a minute. I take my breakfast. In the past, I used to eat like eggs and everything. That's good. But for me now, that's way too heavy. So I get some acai. It's a very Brazilian thing. Like four bananas, some yogurt, some whey protein, some orange. So I like some fruits, a bit of a fruit shake with some whey protein. That's really good. And then I visualize some goals, do some meditation. I take uh, Sigma, which is a supplement by Gorilla Mind, which Andrew Huberman recommends a lot. He has ashwagandha, tonkata-lee. Like the very well researched. I pass a thing to grow my beard. I see you have a beard. I don't. I, I don't believe I have such a nice jawline, so I want to have a beard like to cover it up Same. and be more. Um, and that's yeah, just a case of time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's good, you know. So then, I do the first things of the day, which are like the most important things. I would say, I recommend doing like the most uh the uh, the, most, the hardest task, the most creative task, which for me is writing. Writing is amazing. Writing, you just organize your thoughts. I write about the course I want to do. I write about the books I want to write. I just like write and record the paid things, the things that are going to be the most important to me, not the general TikTok videos, the videos for my courses, and I write the ideas for them. I don't do any tasks. I'm not looking at Instagram. I'm not talking to people. Silent, just me and the writing. I go deep in it. It's amazing for mental health, just writing your ideas. You feel like I feel very connected to the truth, and it's almost like something that I think for you could be even a god. You like, you like writing about it. And perhaps you could be praying and thinking about it. It's early morning. I think it's a really good moment to connect. And then I eat again. Lots of eggs, chicken, and rice because it's quick. And then I record videos. YouTube videos, TikTok videos, whatever video needs to be done. A bit, a bit before recording, I write the scripts. I just get some ideas that I have. Record, uh, write the scripts. Record. Then I Lunch. And that is the morning. And why is it such a good morning? Because I have already done like the paid work, the more creative work, and I record the video for the day. So you're not anxious. You're not stressed. You're not like in the middle of the day, like, oh, we haven't recorded the video for the day. What am I going to do? Oh, the time is ending. Oh my God, the call. No, you already recorded the video. You're chill. No problem. So that's really, really nice. After lunch, then I work out or I do MMA. I do MMA three times a week. I work out the other times. I do it for about two hours. It's long but I like it, I think it's important. Shower, eat again. And then, now, which is what we're doing now, I have like general description. I leave it open. People can like do meets with me. I can do like meetings, I can do podcasts, I can do general tasks, I can call people for dealing with problems. I can do all kinds of stuff. I eat again, and in the night, I'm mostly like, same thing, like calling people, doing stuff, dinner, then I do some journaling, uh, like write about what happened today the day and everything. And then like about half an hour before I sleep, I try to, that's not something I do every day, but I really try to like keep the lights in my room like red or very close to red and not mess so much in the phone, do some whim half breathing. But that's, that's the thing that I fuck up the most. <laughs> it's really yeah, close to sleeping. I think, uh, yeah. Yeah.
1: Sorry. I think what you're but, describing yeah. there is, is obviously something that you've refined over years and years of yeah, trying yeah. and failing. And I think what's important to recognize for the listeners and for myself as well, because I feel like my routine is getting more and more dialed in, but there's always things to be working on. And there's always yeah. times where I, where I don't do what I've put down for me to do. Right. And I think we've, we've got to strike the balance, which is, it's so important. It's exactly, as I mentioned with Christ and the cross, it's exactly that dichotomy between grace and forgiveness and love. And then that judgment and, and harsh truth yes no and I think when you do mess up those things you've got to have the grace to forgive yourself and be understanding and not be too harsh on yourself yeah but also you've got to be harsh on yourself to an extent to then want to go and, and keep improving and saying no that's not good enough I need to do that again so I think it sounds like you've got a super dialed in routine and obviously it's fueling you to be productive and create content and keep working out and, and bulking up and Man, it sounds like you're on a fantastic path, and I'm glad to have kind of stumbled across you at the at the event. I think it's uh, yeah, it's been awesome to see your journey.